Amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Welcome to the house of the Lord on this beautiful, crisp, clear morning to to worship and to celebrate. I would like to offer a special welcome to Reverend Denise Bates, our district superintendent, who's joined us today for worship um, and, of course, to preside over our charge conference following the service. So thank you very much for being here. Um, As we begin, we have a few announcements that we want to draw your attention to. Um, Firstly, I know that there have been some um, questions this week regarding the love offerings that we are taking up um, for the families of um, Betty and Jason who have um, both passed in the last month. Um, We wanted to be clear that any love offering given um, voluntarily here will go to um, the immediate family Um, to help cover any funeral costs or um, extenuating medical bills um, and to to help continue to cover housing as affairs are settled. Um, And I just wanted to make that clear because we had some questions this week um, about exactly where those love offerings would be going. Um, So if you want to contribute this week or the next, um, you may note that. Um, I also wanted to let you know we are continuing to sell stew. Um, I know that we have been selling quite a lot this last week. So, Deborah, do you have an idea how many we have left? 50 quarts left. Um, so, we're down to the very last of it. If you want to buy stew, um, you can talk to Deborah. Um, see also our sign up sheet for the House of Hope meal. Um, I know that they are always in need of help and, and appreciate that. Um, Also coming up in February on the 15th is our um, chili and and bingo night. Um, There is a sign-up sheet that I saw on the bulletin board back here, so please sign up. Um, And if you would like to bring a crock pot of your chili to share with the church, um, please let Kelly know. We are hoping to have a whole variety so we can do um, a big tasting that night and and have a wonderful evening of fellowship. And again, that's Saturday, February 15th. and, and we do need you to sign up. Um, are there any other announcements today? There is no way I had them all. All right. I apparently. Bible study always. There we go. <laughs> Bible study. Um, again, the evening group um, is this evening at 7 p.m. Um, and the morning group remains tomorrow, Monday morning at 10 a.m. Any other announcements? All right, well, you remain seated. Um, I would like to invite Michael up, um, and he'll open our time of worship today. So I invite you to let your hearts um, be led as he sings.
look over yonder and what do I see? God's gonna trouble the water. Holy Ghost is coming on me. God's gonna trouble the water. You don't believe that I've been redeemed. God's gonna trouble the water. Holy Ghost is coming on me. God's gonna trouble the water. You don't believe I've been redeemed. God's gonna trouble the water. Follow me down to the Jordan stream. God's gonna trouble the water. Wait on the water. Wait on the water, children. Wait on the water. Hey, God's gonna trouble the water. Look over yonder and what do I see? God's gonna trouble the water. The Holy Ghost is coming. God's gonna trouble the water. You don't believe that I've been redeemed. God's gonna trouble the water. Follow me down to the Jordan stream. God's gonna trouble the water. Wait on the water. Wait on the water, children. And will you rise to take your first steps into the troubled waters of worship this morning? In the midst of a world where people hunger and thirst. In the midst of a world where people are abused and oppressed. In the midst of a world filled with wars and rumor of war. In the midst of a world of spiritual emptiness, come worship a God who gives life. A God whose grace and love know no end. And let us pray to that God now. Jesus, healer of mind and body, quiet our minds, still our hearts, and empower our bodies so that we may be whole and healed. Give us the courage and strength to face the beauty of your goodness, which meets us in this place. Amen. You may be seated as the choir continues our time of worship.
Will you rise as we sing together, he touched me, and I invite you to lay all your worldly burdens before the altar as you sing now. We were on Jesus. I don't know what his first name really was. Tell him what, what y'all did. They went up to the nursing home that was in Walnuts and did what? We sang the song to him. He liked it. This was his favorite huh? song. His name was what? Who? Albert. And he also always told me he played the saxophone, too. Played the saxophone. Everybody together. Since I met, since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout. Let us pray. 
Lord God, before we knew you, we were indeed shackled by the heavy burdens of sin. But now we rejoice in your presence, God, for you have made us whole. You have called us and you have redeemed us, God. And for that, we lift before you today the praises of our voices, the praises of our hearts and our words and our fellowship. God, we ask that you would accept these humble praises and that they would multiply and be a pleasing scent to you. God, we offer up to you now also the offerings um, that we present before you. We give you the best of what we have, God, and we ask that it would be used to spread the gospel in this community and to be a blessing of others. God, we ask that you would give grace to those who have to give today and to those who do not. Lord, that we might all be strengthened and built up in the kingdom and to be the hands and feet that go from this place. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. much time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. Well, it sure ain't much, but it's all we got left. I guess we ought to sell it too. And who'll start the bid on the old violin? Just one more and we'll be through. And then he cried, one, give me one dollar. Who'll make it two? Two dollars, who'll make it three? Three dollars twice, and that's a good price. Who's got a bid for me? Raise up your hand and don't wait any longer. Auction's about to end. Who's got four? Just one dollar more. Bid on this old violin. La, la, la. The air was hot and the people stood around. The sun was setting low. From the back of the crowd, gray haired man. Wiped the dust from the old violin, tightened up the string. Then he played out a melody, pure and sweet, sweeter than the angels sing. And the music stopped, and the auctioneer. That was quiet and low. He said, What am I bid for this old violin? And he held it up with a bow. the touch of the master's hand here's the message you know there's many a man we 
with his life out of tune, battered and scarred with sin. And he's auctioned cheap to a thankless world, looks like that old violin. But the master comes and the foolish crowd, they never understand the worth of a soul and the change that is brought just by one touch of the master's hand. And then he cried out, one, give me one thousand, who'll make it two? Two thousand, who'll make it three? Three thousand twice. Oh, that's a good price. Come on, who's gonna bid for me? The people cried out, what made the change? We don't understand. The auctioneer stopped, and he said with a smile, it was a touch. That's all it was was the touch of the master's hand. It was the touch, the touch of the master's hand. That's all it was. Oh, it was the touch of the master's hand. may be seated. Does someone have a praise to offer before the Lord today? Praise God. Praise God. So you all know we've been praying for um, Michael's fiance, Lisa, her, her mother has been in the hospital, um, and she's now um, at a relative's home recovering. So praise God. Are there other praises we lift up today? Yeah. It brings our hearts joy to hear um, that the surgery went well. They got everything out. Um, and also, thank you for sharing that, that witness to the, to the truth that we are connected as a family of God, no matter the distance, um, that, and that our prayers do touch one another um, despite the distance. And we'll continue to pray um, for Kelsey as his family adjusts um, with, without him able to speak. Are there other praises that we lift up today? I like Michael's new song. Yes, yes, yes. 
I do, but praise God for that. Praise God for the moving of the Spirit. Praise God for the beautiful songs that carry our faith from generation to generation. Um, so, Other praises we lift up. A good reminder, right? God's there working and healing even when it's not a not a deathly illness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, you too. We've had quite a few who have been seriously under the weather, right? If we can use that. So it's good to see everybody doing well today. Other praises. Yes, David. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Thank you. I meant to say that at the beginning, but thank you, Nancy. In addition to everything she's already doing, she put our bulletin together this week. Um, so that we might have those focus on the family inserts. And um, to the best of our knowledge, um, another praise to lift up today is that Linda Ross will be coming back Tuesday to work, um, which will get church business back running um, a lot a lot more closely to our, our normal. Uh, but we thank Nancy for everything she's done to, while Linda's been out. Yeah, I don't know if she's here to hear it. but Oh, there she's in now. Good. That's for you. We've been singing your praises while you were gone. <laughs> Are there any other praises that we lift up before the Lord today? That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I will read those names that you all have printed here um, for us to be in prayer for for the coming week, and then I'll ask you to lift up those others. We continue to pray for Brenda Scarce and her family, for Melba Hodnett, for Douglas Oaks, Kathy Patterson, Shirley Mills, Gail Garrison, Viola Sparks, Sandra Anderson, Marie Garrison, Billy Buckner, Elizabeth LaPointe, Barbara Lee, Vicki Johnson, Julie Hedrick, Pat Hancock, Linda LaPrade, Brenda Breeden, Kat Dodson, A.J. Standen, the Sullivan family, for world peace, for this nation, our great nation, for the president and the troops, for the United Methodist Church, for Jerome Cook, Todd Cook, Bill Dyer, Gail Garrison, Barbara Lee, Elizabeth LaPointe, Brenda Breeden, Brenda Smith, Randy Perlman, Gene Roberts, and Robbie Brumfield. Are there others that we lift up today in prayer? Yes. Joshua Schultz. We'll be keeping Joshua in prayer. Are there others that we lift up today? To the best of my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, someone. Um, yes, Barbara, go ahead. Thank you. For those of you who maybe couldn't hear, um, Barbara shared that um, Billy is still at home um, as her dementia progresses, and um, Viola is, um, as we knew, um, in care, but we'll continue to pray for that transition. 
Yes. Melissa Baker. Are there others we lift up today in prayer? Well, let us go to the Lord in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we give you so much thanks and praise today that you are here in our midst, that we can feel your spirit moving and working among us, God, that you have not left us alone in these times of trial and confusion and grief, but rather, God, that you have wrapped us in your spirit, that you have covered us in your grace and your mercy, and for that we give you thanks. You are truly an awesome God who not just created us, God, but who who sustains us each and every day. Um, You, God, are, are the reason for our breath, the reason for our life, the reason for our joy. Thank you, God. We thank you for the many blessings you have poured out on us. We thank you, God, that we are able to testify today that we know you are a God who heals, that we know you are a God who provides. We thank you, God, for for the testimonies of healing, for the testimonies of the ways that we are connected. Um, We thank you that these are, are the encouragement that we need to continue to walk in faith through life. Father, we ask today um, with confidence for your blessing upon those we have lifted before you. Um, God, because we know prayer is a powerful, powerful way for us to be in communication with you. And so, God, it is with great confidence that we lift up to you today those that we have named and those that we carry in the silence of our hearts now. God, it is truly only through your guidance, only through your sustenance, that we are ever able to make a life of meaning for ourselves. And so we pray, God, that where there is sickness and death and grief, you would provide healing. God, where there is confusion or bitterness or division among those that you have called to be in love, God, we pray that you would heal that as well. God, where our friends, our family, our our neighbors, our acquaintances have strayed from the path that leads to life, have been led away into darkness. God, we pray that you would be revealed to them in a mighty way and that your glory would be made clear in the world. God, we pray for this church, for this congregation. We pray that you would continue to give us a vision God, for the future, that you would be guiding us as we have conversations about um, where we are going, that you would be pushing us and challenging us to be in ministry to the community. God, we pray for the United Methodist Church. We pray the very same things for our, our whole church family, God, that you would give the United Methodist Church a vision for the future and that you would guide us and challenge us and correct us, God, so that we might be a church that bears faithful witness to the world. Father, we pray for this community um, where there is poverty and, and sickness, um, where families are um, struggling under the weight of caring for aging family. God, we ask that you would make us hands and feet in this community to help um, alongside of our neighbors to carry those burdens. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who first walked alongside of us. Amen. David. Our scriptures today, the first one comes from Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. Now we'll go to Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gersethnes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, 
and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, my God. I adjure you by God. Do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there in the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the, the demoniac sitting there, clothed, and in his right hand, the very man who had be, had the legion, and they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter, I'm going to run too far. <laughs> but he said, he's... To finish it up, he said, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with her. That kind of goes with it. God for you and me, the people of God. Amen. Yeah, I thought, well, we could just keep reading the scriptures of Mark instead of me preaching. That would be a good enough thing to do. You did. No? By the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for your presence here with us today. We thank you that your Holy Spirit moves and breathes among us. God, we ask that you would pour out your Spirit in a mighty way upon us now as we contemplate these scriptures together. And God, we ask that either through these words that I am about to speak or in spite of them, God, that you would touch each one of our hearts, that you would challenge us and build us up and heal us for the coming week. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In today's gospel lesson out of Mark, Jesus steps out of the boat, as he so often does, and he steps onto the shore to encounter a scene of total chaos and deep, deep pain. He steps out of the boat onto the shore, and immediately Jesus walks in the midst of pain. The obvious pain right in front of him is that of the man who is demon-possessed. 
as I was listening to Dolly's song today, I couldn't help but think of how that untuned violin is so much like this man. His life is in turmoil. It is out of tune with the way he was created to live. He is in deep, deep pain because of the impure spirits that are living within him. This spirit, this evil inside of him, is causing him to spend his life crying out in constant pain and distress. And his agony gets to the point. Did you notice in the scriptures, he is in so much agony that he begins to bruise himself and then to cut himself with the stones that he finds on the ground around him. His spiritual and his emotional pain have gotten so severe that he is causing himself physical pain. And all of it combined, you know it causes him social pain as well. This man is certainly an outcast of society. The town is scared of this demon-possessed man who lives among the tombs and the corpses of their ancestors. They are so scared of him that they have tried to constrain him with shackles and with chains. They have bound up someone who at one point was a brother among them. But not even these restraints have worked on him or have subdued his pain. And so in the end, he is cast out of the city. He has nowhere to live. And living among the tombs, he is only distanced from society because now he is unclean in a whole other way. Both Leviticus and Numbers tell us that contact with corpses or even prolonged time among the tombs of the dead defiles a person. And so when Jesus, a good Jew, steps up to this man, he is walking towards a man who is not just unclean in, in his spirit or possessed, but who is also religiously unclean. The evil that was once outside of the man has entered into him. It has possessed him. It has caused him physical injury, emotional trauma, social isolation, until this demon-possessed man is confused and alone. And off of the boat, Jesus steps into the midst of this pain. But Jesus also steps into the midst of the pain of legion. Legion is the name that the man has given the many demons who cry out in fear within him. These demons are in pain as well. They are deeply fearful of the presence of the Most High God who has stepped into their painful, sorry existence. It is remarkable to know that even these fallen spirits who have chosen evil as an existence, even them, Jesus faces openly and honestly. Even them, Jesus confronts. Even them, Jesus is willing to step out of the boat. Even for them, Jesus enters into all the pain of the world. Today, if a person behaved in the manner of this man, if a person yelled and screamed, if a person isolated themselves and lived outside the city, if a person sat among corpses, if a person is so overcome by mental distress that they physically harm themselves, we would identify this as a mental illness or a drug addiction or perhaps a seasonal depression or, or grief even. But make no mistake, no matter how we name it, we have our demons as well. And the truth is, these sorts of demons come today with the very same stigma as the man who is possessed by demons in Mark. No matter what name is given to the demons that possess us, no matter what it is that haunts you or I, or this man in Mark. The underlying evil, which Jesus steps out of the boat to confront, is the same. The underlying evil always remains the same. 
It is the evil that is at once mysteriously isolating to individuals, causing them to think that they are alone, unwanted, and unworthy. And the evil that is universally terrifying to all of creation, the evil that oppresses us as groups, the evil which would have us cast out our brothers and our sisters. This mysterious evil, it infects us all. At some point or another, to one degree or another, we all have or we all witness in someone else the kind of pain of mind, of soul, of body that causes torment of the spirit that isolates us from one another, from family, from the temple or the church, from the job, from the city. We all witness the kind of evil that sends us or our brothers and sisters into these cycles of crying out day and night. We all have experienced this kind of pain on one side of it or another. And at the beginning of the fifth chapter of Mark, Jesus steps out of the boat into the midst of our pain. This, though, is not the whole story of the man who is demon-possessed. There is more going on here than just his individual pain. The demons are named legion. And that's not just a reference to their multitude. A Roman company of 6,000 soldiers is called a legion. And thus the group of demons carry the very same name as the military force of the empire that is oppressing Israel. The demon-possessed man represents the people of God themselves. And their oppression is taking place inside of the Decapolis the Bible tells us, the region of ten cities, all of which are profane, all of which are idol-worshipping, part of the pagan culture of Rome. The man who is demon-possessed represents not just his own pain, but the pain of the entire people of Israel who live among a profane culture in a profane world. But in this story, it is not just the world that is living in profane ways. The man and all the people of God are themselves living in ways that displease God. He is spending time among the dead instead of those brought alive by God. The people of God like to look at the legions of pagan and secular forces that are oppressing them and point the fingers to say that the evil is out there. But the man possessed by demons is himself living among unclean places, being judged by unclean people. And it reminds us today that all the people of God are also haunted by evil and profane the laws of God, just like the secular culture around us does. Because we too, we too find ourselves today tortured by a profane culture around us. When we look around, it is easy to feel like we are living in the Roman times of the Decapolis, the ten profane cities breaking the rules of God. We can call out that the culture around us is evil, and as Christian people, we are called by God to speak prophetic words against the culture around us, to speak truth into the darkness. But this story reminds us that we too live unclean lives in the midst of an unclean world. We too need Christ in order to liberate us from the evil of our own profane ways and our own oppression of the world around us. Yet even still in this story, there is more going on. There is more to the pain, and there is more to God's healing. Because this is not just a simple healing. Not like the healing of the paralyzed man that we read about a couple weeks ago. Or and it's not like the resurrection of, of the dead from which the family all celebrates. This healing is not just simple or easy or widely rejoiced. 
when the people of the surrounding villages see the healing that Jesus has performed for this demon-possessed man, the healing of the man that they have been trying to subdue and contain with chains for years, the people are deeply afraid. They don't rejoice. They don't celebrate. They don't ask Jesus for more. When Jesus steps into the midst of their pain, the outcome is anything but simple. Jesus complicates things a little. He doesn't just simply cast the demons out of this man and destroy the evil that resides within him. Instead, Jesus gives the demons permission to change their hosts, to possess something other than the man, to possess the pigs. And these demons end up driving thousands of these poor creatures off the cliffside. Those thousands of pigs, they belong to someone, to the herders. Those herders were counting on these pigs for their livelihoods, to feed their families, to put a roof over their heads. For them, the healing of this man who has been demon-possessed, the sudden return to normalcy of this strange, eccentric, dangerous man is not felt as a blessing. It deeply disrupts their financial lives. It scares them. It upends what they have come to understand as the way things are. And the way things are, they were comfortable. And this man, this deeply sick man, was somewhere else. And they didn't have to bother with him. But when Jesus heals that man, when Jesus washes that man of the torment of his mind and spirit, it looks like torment to the herders. It looks to them like the waters with which Jesus washed this demon-possessed man are the troubled waters of the storm of their life that has come to take away their financial security, their comfort, their establishment in the way that things are. For the herders who own these pigs who die, Jesus' healing doesn't look like justice. And as their story spreads, as they tell of this man, Jesus, who, yes, healed this demon-possessed man, but in the process killed off their herds, great fear spreads among the villages. And all are terrified. And in their fear, they don't ask Jesus for more. They don't bring all their sick and all their diseased and, and all their tormented to the feet of Jesus. No, in their fear, they beg Jesus to simply leave them alone. Jesus had brought into their presence a miraculous expulsion of evil. But it didn't come the way that they expected it to. It didn't come the way they wanted it to. And so they didn't want anything else to do with Jesus and this healing he was offering. Jesus stepped off the boat. And he walked into the midst of the pain of that man. And he healed that man. But Jesus didn't work the way that the world wanted him to. That the world expected him to. He disrupted the way that they thought things ought to be. And so Jesus wasn't welcome. I know it's hard to fathom right now that Easter could be around the corner, but the truth is, is it won't be long in the life of the church until we're talking about another time when Jesus confronts the evil and the oppression of the pagan empire, just as the Messiah was prophesied to do. And Jesus heals the world in that instance, too. The Messiah offers the salvation from oppression that has been long sought after. But even in that instance, Jesus doesn't heal the way the people of the world have come to expect him to. Jesus will not destroy evil. He will not destroy the oppression of the empire. He won't come in swinging the sword and cutting down the opposition, just like Jesus did not destroy the impure spirits. No, when that time comes for us to celebrate Easter, 
we will read about a savior who steps into the midst of the pain of the empire and he will offer healing and justice but it will not look like justice to our broken world his death on a cross will not look like healing or salvation from oppression and if we allow fear to set in as followers of Christ if we let our fear that we don't understand our Savior take over. When we refuse to accept the way that Jesus works against evil by upending our lives, when all we can see is how he is disrupting the comfortable life we have made for ourselves, when he is breaking our worldly sense of justice, we will eventually ask Jesus to simply leave us alone. If we cannot reconcile ourselves to the fact that Jesus doesn't heal from evil and Jesus doesn't heal from oppression in the way that we want him to, in the way we expect him to, we will eventually ask him to leave. We will take our lives away from him, thinking that we are content on our own content with the way things have always have been, content to sacrifice some of our brothers and sisters to evil and oppression because it is easier that way. Jesus doesn't stay in the Decapolis. When the people ask him to leave, he does. He doesn't stay where he is not wanted. He doesn't stay in the secular culture of the world, the one in which we are living. Jesus is building us a new world, a new culture, a new kingdom, where evil is cast out in ways that we don't even understand. So church, I ask you, can you see Christ stepping out of his boat today? Do you see him here? in the midst of your pain, because Christ is here. He has stepped off the boat to look you in the eye and to heal you. Jesus is here in the midst of our self-imposed exiles of, of grief and disease and evil and sin. Jesus is here in the midst of our pain as he hears the oppressed cry out, Jesus is here as he feels the stones cut into our flesh. Jesus is here as he weeps with us as we are tormented by the legions of our demons. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus is here in the midst of our pain. Christ hears you. Christ sees you. Christ is in our midst. And right now, the healing that he is offering us might seem to us like stormy waters. It might seem like injustice. It might seem like a storm that we cannot weather. But the truth is, is that God works in troubled waters. The very things that God uses to liberate us from evil and oppression, individually and socially, often look to us at the start like dangerous, dangerous things. But still, Christ is in our midst, working to heal. At the beginning of this service, we heard the voices of generations of Christians, as Michael sang. And all those Christians, for hundreds of years, were inviting us to bravely enter the waters which God is planning on troubling. Now, if you're not familiar with the song, it refers to a different miraculous healing, one in which the angel of God stirred a pool so that the first who entered was healed of their bodily disease. But I believe Jesus is troubling the waters in today's scripture as well. Troubled waters to us sound like the storm, but to Christ, Troubled waters are his way of healing. His work, his work that casts out evil, 
that breaks the chains of injustice and oppression. His work comes in many mysterious ways. So wade. Wade in the water. Wade towards the boat that carries Christ. Wade toward healing and liberation. Wade and wait and sing out the psalms of praise, declaring the righteousness of God as we wait to see the mighty plans of God. Amen. Our closing song together today is titled Spirit Song. It's one that I sang a lot in the church that I grew up in. Um, it was uh, one of the ones that we sang all the time as a closing hymn. And every time we sang our closing hymn in the church that I grew up in, we would hold hands. Hold hands with whoever's near you across the pews, through the aisles, to remind ourselves one last time before we walked out of the sanctuary that we had brothers and sisters who were there standing alongside of us, just like Jesus is. So as we stand to sing today, I would invite you, if you would indulge me, to hold hands with somebody next to you or across the pew from you, to remind each other that you are not alone. Will you stand as we sing together today? Now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen. Amen. I actually now invite you all to be seated <laughs> as we 